Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Little John and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, all right. It is that time of the week already. I can barely believe it, but it is Tuesday, the greatest Tuesday you've had all week, and we are super stoked to have you in studio. Uh, Katie is not here today, though. I know you're going to have to deal with just me, but as you know, I love to bring in ringers, and so uh, joining me in studio today, Mr. Derek Simmons. Bring. Thank you, sir. That and, was me ringing. Uh, delighted to have you here in studio, waiting for the ever-present, right, because uh, it's we're not even sponsored. I'm waiting for Diet Doctor Diet Doctor Pepper. They should like sponsor the show. It should happen. Yes. Uh, it is kind of the beverage of choice for us here. How's that? Perfect. See, there you go. Uh, so, I you know there are so many different things that we could cover today, but I had it in my mind that this is relevant for a lot of reasons, and it's relevant also because it's something that fits in your wheelhouse, Derek, right? Yes. So you've got some uh, some expertise here around how this occurs, but also uh, it's not the typical. We've, we have talked many times about estate planning on this show. I don't really want to talk about estate planning. I it's never talk- fun when you start with, uh, assume you die. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, let's talk about something else. Today. So, I mean, it's, it's relevant to the conversation. We're not going to pretend like it doesn't exist, but... Instead, let's talk about the flip side of it. Let's talk about inheriting money. Ooh, that sounds like okay. Fun. So this is a, this is the different side of things, right? Assume well, somebody else dies. Yeah, somebody else dies. Uh, we're we're going to try to work past the tragedy and talk about some of what this means. But really, it's not just a a discussion for an inheritance. I think it's a discussion for any time that you find yourself getting a significant financial windfall. And 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 significant is a right that's that's a sufficiently vague term. That's true. Right? I used to have a tax professor that would say add as many zeros as you need to to make this meaningful. Right. And funny enough we do that in practice when we do uh, risk benchmarking for people because what uh, anecdotally I don't have a formal study but People will take more risk as an investor when you're using $1,000 as a matrix than 10000 But a million dollars, they think different than they do the $1,000. Interesting. So, yeah, it really is. You'd think it's just a ratio, right? Just add a zero and, and your risk tolerance would be the same. But it's not because, and this is, again, my opinion. I haven't done any studies and soft science of you know psychology or whatever. But if you... $1,000 is something that it's a lot easier to think, well, if I lose all of it, I can recover, right? Uh, $10,000, it is a different threshold, and it kind of depends on your earning capacity. If you lose $10,000, some people kind of go, that's a recoverable deal. Other people go, oh my gosh, ten grand." When you start to talk about losing $100,000, most regular people go, I would notice. That, that would be real money. <laughs> right? Like, I'm going to notice $100,000. Uh, you don't just sneak that by. Uh, and then it, it does get bigger from there, though, right? If you have uh, $100 million, then the million dollars becomes a different relative fluctuation point. I could lose it, and it wouldn't hurt that much. That Well, and well, not only that, but 
I can see million dollar swings in the value of my accounts daily. That's true. Right? That's the part that's wild. If you have a hundred million dollar net worth, you go up or down two or three million dollars in a week. And if you, I mean, for, for those of us that don't have that kind of net worth, right? You're going to look at that and go, that's a lot of money, right? You've, it's, it's literally like the yacht in the ocean, right? Look, it's tipping up and down. Right, right. <laughs> it's that much value changing is, well, there goes a yacht plus or minus every day. <laughs> uh, but it's a different game, right? And it is just the more zeros add significance. So I, I still think it's relevant if you've ever sold something at a significant profit and you know all of a sudden you realized a big gain if you've inherited money uh, in the offshot you've won the lottery i suppose i continue to play for investment purposes yes which i despite your advice not to not to advise on the radio <laughs> right uh <laughs> there's no caveat to that. it's never an investment doesn't mean it's not interesting you know your chance of zero is assured when you don't buy the ticket your chance of zero is Still a zero statistically, even if you buy it. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. Well, there's a couple things with this framework, right? And I think we can talk about one. You know, if you are the person that let's talk, let's think of the inheritance two different ways. One, if you're receiving it, and then later on in the program we can talk about what if you are the one that you're, you know, you're going to have an inheritance go out. And you're trying to plan what that looks like. This is different than estate planning, right? Estate planning to me is the design of it. How do I make sure that the right people get what they want? Or maybe I should say it's a more myopic or specific part of estate planning, which is when you want to design how somebody gets the money, right? Not just that they get it, but how they get it. I'm not yet with you on the distinction, but let's start at the first part. Okay, it is estate planning, but it's going to be at, at a high level of detail. Okay. But yeah, it's fun to think about. So let's play this game, Derek. You have just inherited, and uh, let's pick a number of, it, it needs to be significant enough, and I want our listeners to so Let's say you inherit a quarter of a million dollars. Dude. Right? Dude. So, uh, and here's the cool thing, right? So first of all, it's, let's, it's, you've inherited it from a family member, and it's not in a retirement plan. So I can take it out immediately. I don't have to worry about taking out well, let's, over time. Well, we're gonna we'll use both, but let's say it's not in a retirement plan. Okay. What do we know first of all? Well, the taxes have probably already been paid. Yes, if there are any. In, unless unless it's a silly caveat where it's like, well, I'm inheriting an insurance like an annuity product, or, or if I'm inheriting two hundred and fifty thousand dollars out of the fifty million that my <laughs> that my great grandfather, you know left to everybody. So then there will have been estate taxes paid, but my part will be tax-free. Usually the the person inheriting it doesn't have to pay taxes. Right. That is the first thing you nailed it. See that? Woo! I know, you get the bell. Uh no tax, right? So when people oftentimes say, "Hey, if I inherit this, do I have to pay taxes on it?" No. No, you pay you if you invest it and you start earning money, right? Right. You can pay taxes on the gains. So that's the new money that's produced. Because the way this is a funny one. I like, you know, I want you to picture that paper towel roll that your, you know, your kids don't want you to throw away, but you want to throw it away. Okay. Okay. The IRS is kind of like that paper towel roll. Okay. 
if you stuff everything in there, you put some more in one side, it's something's going to squirt out the other. That's kind of how taxes work. They either get you on the way in or they get you on the way out. Okay, but, I, I could go with that, yes. Okay, right, and and so that's always worked in my mind is that it's the IRS is like a tube. They, and, and when it comes to your taxes, you're either paying on the way in or you're paying on the way out. There are really rare circumstances where you might have to pay taxes twice. Now, you know one of them, right? And then that's the, sort of the, the C corporation argument of, wait, the company pays taxes and then and pays then, a dividend. And then I pay taxes on the dividend. Right. Yes. So two people paid taxes. So you didn't pay the tax twice per se, unless you, it's, you, know, you own the company kind of thing. Which is possible. But, but, but yeah. if you're a, a shareholder, you pay a dividend tax, but that dividend also was taxed at the corporate level before it was distributed to you. Well, let's go, let's go back to our paper towel roll. Yes. What I envision when there's an inheritance is that um, my ancestors stuffed some money into one end of a paper towel roll. Yes. And then it would come out, but instead he has lined up another paper towel roll at the other end, my paper towel roll, and it shoves straight into there. So now when it comes out, eventually something will have to happen with it, but it hasn't come out for purposes of taxation. Yeah. How's that for blowing your analogy? Yeah, it's really cool. Didn't work very well. Uh, well, here's where it's fun, right? Because I think this is a good visual for our. If in your mind, if you're listening, and you're thinking about this big tube, right? The reason I use the tube is that's what happens with retirement plans and insurance when you have tax deferral. Okay. Now, anytime that you have a tax deferral, the IRS has viewed it as: Did we get you on the way in, or did we get you on the way out, or did we get you part of? part of it on the way in or not, right? Which money has or has not already been taxed? Right. This is sounds funky on air, right? It's like you're thinking, you're like, what is he talking about? Let me break it down for you, right? Let's say that you have money that you earned and you put it into your 401k plan at work. So right? I'm not paying taxes. I'm putting it in pre-tax. It's pre-tax. So now that money goes into the tube. You haven't paid income taxes yet. When you take it out of the tube, Taxes. Guess, now, guess what? What if you never take it out of the tube and you die? Now your heirs get it. They still have to pay taxes. They do because it's the tax the was tube. deferred, right? And it's an income tax deferral. And yes, that actually matters that it's income tax. Because let's play a different game. I bought a rental property. Okay. And you got a smoking good deal. And on I got a smoking good deal on it. I buy it for $10,000. It's now worth $250,000. And because I have deducted my amortization costs and so forth, I have a basis of zero. So if I sell that property, I have to pay taxes, gains on all $250,000. And we're going to assume they're long-term gains because we're not going to get, this isn't the tax show. Right. No, we're not doing the tax show today. But for this one, if I sell it, I pay capital gains taxes on all 250000 If I die and my heirs get it, you know what happens right now? They get a step up in basis and they pay jack when they sell it. Basic, well, yeah, they pay as if the value of the day I died, it's worth 250000 they inherit it for 250000 not the zero that I paid for it. That's what a step up in basis is. And for all of you that have been wondering that, log that away because that's one of the things that is being considered right now as being changed in the tax code is the elimination of the step up in basis. Okay. Well, one of the interesting things about that is 
the, the step up in basis is the flip side of inheritance tax or death tax, you might call it, where uh, or an estate tax in Oregon. If I die, there's a and there's a step up in basis. My million dollar exemption is also going to be filled up by the full amount of whatever uh, the fair market value of what I own is. So if you trans if I transferred it while I was alive, my the person I'm I'm giving it to does not have a step up in basis, but also it's not two hundred and fifty thousand dollars coming out of my estate tax exemption later. As I'm listening to my voice, I'm thinking, my God, you made that thick, Derek. Could you make that any simpler? <laughs> well, it's, you know, this is the trick about if it's really a death tax sideline. Let's do this. It's totally worth explaining that to our listeners, but we're a little long on the first segment. Let's grab the break. And Let's then, do. Yeah, we'll come back on that one and we'll ask that question again, like, why did that come up? And because again, it's not supposed to be the tax show. But so we'll get to the fun stuff, but we'll get we're not gonna leave you hanging. Except right now. Stick around, we'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and you're listening, you're listening to Chew Up on News Radio 1240. Get Hey gang, welcome back to the best Tuesday you've had all week. I am your host, Dave Littlejohn, and you got... I have to confess that I'm not Katie Shook. I've been called on that. I'm technically Derek Simmons. It's true. It's true. So you're listening to The True Wealth Show, and if you're just wondering what have you missed, podcast available. Check us out tomorrow. It'll be posted at littlejohnfs.com, and it's available on all your favorite podcast places, so iTunes and all that. We're just... We need to get better at like remarketing the stuff we do. I guess you That's, should be able to sell it five, six times. Agreed. Agreed. So we'll work on that. Uh, I'll let's get Katie on it. I think that <laughs> she's not the, here to defend herself. The other Katie. Yes. Let's get her going. <laughs> hey, so look, um, let's let's straighten something out for our listeners. We were today is the show. I want to talk to you about what to do if you inherit wealth. But we kind of got a little sidetracked and this is easy to do. If you've listened to the program before, you know, this happens sometimes, but it's uh, you know, Derek, you do estate planning. I do. Right. And as part of a matter of financial planning, I do a lot. I don't write. I don't do legal work. Right. I'm not a, a practitioner. You're of the law. financial part of this. But we do the, the strategy planning. Right. So we can lay out sort of the wire framing and say, like, here's what needs to happen. And then I go to somebody like Derek and say, can you make this legal now? And you go. I wave my magic Voila, wand. Voila, right? And then uh, produce a ream of paper covered in words. And it supposedly works. It's so much fun. I have to tell you. <laughs> so um, so there's numbers guys and words guys, apparently. And I, I am definitely on the word side of that thing. Yes. So, Or there's just the guys that talk a lot, which is me. Yes, right? and so, you're really good at it. Lots of words. So when you were talking about this idea of there was the death tax is an issue right and here's the trick most of you out there you may be surprised to discover that you have a death tax potential issue in Oregon because a million dollars is easier to reach than you think because your life insurance death benefit is very likely considered part of your estate even if you have somebody else as the beneficiary right that sounds crazy but if you uh, are the owner of your policy, and that is really common for people, then that's a gotcha that you need to be aware of is that the owner gets the death benefit as part of their estate value. 
So by the time you have property and everything else, reaching that million dollar threshold ain't such a stretch. So keep in mind, one of the ways that people will avoid estate tax in Oregon is they will intentionally give their stuff away. It's also known as a gift. And you always wanna, you like to be on the other end of that, but just yeah. so you know. So this is this, this totally fits in though to the idea of receiving an inheritance. What if it's not an inheritance? What if it would have been an inheritance, but somebody didn't die, they just gave it to you? Right. Okay. There are some different tax considerations. Remember we talked about the step up in basis, right? And basis is what the original purchaser pays for something and whoever inherits it, Currently, if you die and somebody else inherits something that you bought and it's not in a retirement plan or something with a weird tax treatment, would get a step up in basis, meaning they, the inheritor receives it at the, today's value, not the value that the purchaser bought it for. So you still with me? Does that make sense? It's good because they don't have to pay income tax if they sell it right away. Well, gains tax. Gains right? tax. That's the, the, but, but yes, yes. So here's the thing. If that means that the estate has to pay taxes, somebody may instead say, well, let me give stuff away while I'm still alive. Does that trigger a tax for the recipient of the gift? It does not. No, it doesn't. Good job. Thank you. I, right? I practiced that one earlier. Yes. Does it generate a tax for the gifter, the it person giving it away? It does not generate a tax. Right. So everybody pay attention. You can give stuff away and that doesn't charge you a tax. The person receiving it doesn't have to pay tax unless right, the person receiving the gift sells it. And when they sell it, it they look at the profit of whether or not whether or not there was a profit from what they inherited, right? So if, if or not inherited the gift, right? So let's say that we remember my example in the last segment, if you're just joining us, the example was I bought something and we depreciated it down to my, I have a zero basis. I bought a house for $10,000. I'm going to sell it for 250,000. I have a zero basis because of, you know, some taxes that we took advantage of. So all $250,000 is profit to me. I have to be gains tax on but it. But now because you're super generous, right. you give this property to me. I give the house me. away. I to give me. it I give it to Derek. That's right. All right. You all heard him. Anyway, he gives this house to me and then I sell it for $250,000. Right. Do I pay taxes? Yes, you do. Yes, I do. That's right, right, I do. And in fact, I don't have a tax expert with me on show today, but let's say that I bought it for 300000 and lost money on it, and it was worth two fifty, and then I gave it to you. And you turn around and sold it for two fifty. Probably no taxes, but if you got it at two fifty and sold it for two seventy five, you you'd still have taxes. Even though I gave it to you with a loss, I believe that you reset your basis if it's not lower than mine. Yeah. I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure that's how that works. That one doesn't come up very often. Yeah, so that's pretty rare that you would give away a depreciated asset because it'd be easier to sell it because I would have had no tax. I could have just sold it and had the cash, right? Right. So you don't usually gift assets that are underwater. You gift away the stuff that has big gains on it because there's a tax advantage to getting it off your balance sheet. Well, I would think what you would want to do is gift, give away the stuff that has cash, for example, that there's no difference between basis and, and value. You well, give away cash, you wait until you die to give away the yeah. 
if it's if it's about estate efficiency yes okay okay now when would it be reverse i need the cash or if you were trying to give something away to a charitable organization right some some entity that doesn't pay taxes you may say oh i love the humane society or something like boys and girls club okay that's your pet project i mean so let's say that you know i have a a house that i could it's worth two hundred fifty thousand again and i have zero basis in it or i have two hundred fifty thousand in cash it's more beneficial to me to gift the house to the boys and girls club in that case because that tax liability got gifted away too, and the Boys and Girls Club can doesn't just care. sell it, and they it don't pay take, the tax. It could take either one because it doesn't pay any tax. Right, because it's a nonprofit organization. This, by the way, is something that we get into with charitable gifting strategies. It is a more sophisticated level of estate planning when you have highly appreciated assets and lots of tax liability to manage. So there are, if if you're benevolently inclined, those could be really clever tools to utilize. But again, this show is about what happens if you get the money. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, Derek, you, we just talked about gifting you appreciated assets. And that was very generous of you. Yes. With low basis. Right. You still have the tax. But if I died with it and I said, you you know what, you're in my will. Then I get a step up in basis to fair market value, whatever right. it is. So then you don't have to worry about the taxes. Right. Okay. So now that we've gotten the whole tax thing out of the way, let's just talk about what it means to inherit money and what are some of the things that you should consider. And this is a larger picture look at financial planning and decision making. Okay? Because what happens is if you have a financial windfall, you need to well, I mean you you kind of have a, a handful of options. You actually have a lot of options, but you know what the most common one seems to be? Spend it. Yeah, blow it. <laughs> blow through it like it's your job. And then don't have a financial windfall anymore. Uh, I think statistically, you know, most lotto winners within two to three years are broke again. And you see a lot of pro athletes that do the same thing. And this is the common theme is simply lack of planning and lack of understanding how the financial system works. And it's amazing. You could you can blow through a fortune. It's right? true. You can blow through a fortune. So it is possible. And um, people come out of the woodwork and you want to be generous to them and you want to buy all the stuff you've ever wanted, including that island. Yes, which <laughs> which sounds so good, except for which country taxes it. Yeah, well. And so forth. So, yeah. So what do we do when we inherit an asset, right? And what we're going to discuss is planning strategies and so forth. But we're going to take our next Obscene Profit Break. So hang out. We'll be right back. And if you want to know, hey, if you're getting inheritance, we're going to start walking you through, you know, what are the, what's the, the planning phases? But uh, again, break first. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Derek Simmons. And not Katie Shook. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Well Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Derek Simmons. All right. I like I'm this. not in studio. Wait, no, I am in studio. You're in studio. Sorry. Yeah, we did. And um, fully vaccinated studio, by the way. Woo! Mask free. Delightful. So, we are talking today about inheriting money. 
Now, we already covered the boring stuff. But you need to pick your parents carefully. That's really helpful if you can arrange that. Yes, pick pick your parents well, or uh, I apparently like the rich uncle thing. So, you know, pick your parents' siblings well. Yeah, that would do work. That. You know, or uh, believe it or not, I've had circumstances. We've had clients that just ended up with friends that didn't have heirs, and they named them and yeah. they were surprised to discover that you know oh you were named as an heir and they're like what 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 and and it was substantial sums of money too i mean well into the six figure ranges that i've had uh, occur so that which is probably feels a lot like winning the lottery you i know, expect if, if it that's does. the case you're like wow so here's what we know about getting sudden wealth okay what we know is the hab- if if you've not developed wealth before and you get sudden wealth, you can suddenly have some problems. Because if you haven't developed the habits and disciplines that are required to build wealth, and it's thrown in your lap, and you don't quickly seek those habits out, you can use the wrong habits and quickly burn through that money. It's true. The The first and most important rule is don't spend all the money. That's the same one that allows people to accumulate wealth and it's the same way you hold on to wealth that you inherit. Yeah, it is. You would think that there's some kind of secret to the universe that people haven't figured out, right? Spend less than you make, right? That's really the magic of this. And then in a financial plan, there are two parts of the strategy that one needs to understand. The first one is develop active income streams, right? If you are working, Make sure that you're getting the maximum value for what you're doing. This is the whole purpose of like getting an education and so forth and developing job experience. But the other is develop passive income, which is the income that's not dependent on your hourly time. It right. still requires effort, right? That there's this this flaw in the assumption that passive incomes just sit back and collect and don't do anything. I don't know how that works. But if you find some, I want some. Right, right. But I know that being in a situation where, uh, well, I guess the way it works would be like in the stock market or something. But but that's a, a slower pathway to generating wealth because you have to have wealth to buy in to these organizations that are run by other people. And your relative amount tends to be lower, right? Right. You know, if you own a rental property, you may have returns of 15 or 20% on your capital invested because of the way leverage works and so forth. And that's not terribly outlandish. But in the stock market, your returns may be you know, 7 to 10%. That's half of what the return in real estate would be. But it's much more passive. You, know, you put the money in and it does the work. In fact, you, you kind of want to ignore it to a certain extent. You, you really do that historically it's been a longer term game. If you're a long term buy and hold style investor, then it's time in the market not timing the market. But uh, by contrast, if you're working with real estate investments, you're going to have to go fix stuff and you're going to have to yeah, buy there's, stuff. There's work. Or, and if it's not you, then you may have to be the manager getting other people to do the work. But, you know, those hammers don't swing themselves and Dang paintbrushes it. don't paint themselves. I mean, despite, you know, whatever Harry Potter or Mickey Mouse theme you've seen. So we, we don't have, to my knowledge, I don't have wizardry or magic to make it happen on its own. Dang it, Dave. I know. It's, it's a disappointment. That, that would be true wealth, man. Yeah, it's probably going to cost some clients right now when they discover, wait, it's work and not magic. So 
It's funny to me, though, that at the end of the day, all of this is predicated on spend less than you bring in. So it's a pl you, you really just want to have a plan for how to spend whatever you've got, whether it's inherited wealth or just your, your regular earnings. Right. So it involves a plan. This is probably uh, similar to uh, it, it drives people nuts. And, and, you know, there's a handful that may have medical problems that, that exacerbate this. But for the most part, calories in, calories out, right? If you eat more calories than you burn, you store them. And if you eat fewer calories than you burn, there's nothing to store. Well, there's the magic wallet statement too. Spending more than you make, bad. So the first step in, in inheritance is to develop a plan or strategy, right? Right. So in a plan or strategy, the low hanging fruit, I think Dave Ramsey has got this right. You know, Kill off the debt. <laughs> and so he starts with this really simple concept. But if you've inherited wealth, baby step one out the window, because the first step is save $1,000. Right before you pay off your credit cards or anything, you save $1,000. Well, that's a strategic move because it's like you need enough money that you don't keep blowing yourself up and going back into debt. You need a little buffer. Right. Just a little. And then you start attacking the debt. And then after that, you build up an emergency fund. Well, you just inherited wealth. So we've got our $1,000. Yeah, your $1,000 is checked off. So now we need to look at any debts, okay? And I would not suggest that you just wholesale go out and pay off your house automatically if that's the only debt you have. It might be the right strategy, but I would still look at a comprehensive strategy for what this money can do and confirm if that is or is not the right strategy for you. You know, with housing mortgage rates being as low as they are right now, that's fairly cheap, a cheap place to get money. You might want to pay off other stuff. And then if you're only paying interest of two and a half percent on your home loan, then you could, there's a good chance you can make more than that by investing money. Right. Now, again, this is the make Dave Ramsey cringe advice because he's the get out of debt forever guy. And I'm not trying to convince you if you believe that, that he's wrong. Right. No, that's so still that, a good step. It yeah, may that, just be that most is, efficient. It is the, it, yeah, it's maybe not the most efficient, but it is certainly one of, if not the safest ways to manage your money. It's like, well, if you have zero debt and you always spend less than you make, then you're, you're going to be in a good spot, right? It's just not a fast path. It's not the fastest pathway, but it's a really safe, don't screw it up pathway. And unfortunately, a lot of you listening, if Dave Ramsey, if you found yourself needing the advice then it's because you've made decisions that have put you behind the power curve for before. We don't need to tempt, right? This is uh, it's it's not compassionate at a party to offer an alcoholic that's recovering a beverage, like an alcoholic beverage. That is not compassion, right? Right. So we do not want to do that and tempt somebody that has not developed the financial skills. So I get that. But the planning strategy, yeah, get rid of bad debt. Expensive debt, it's got to go. So if you're carrying that, but I also will tell you, you need to get rid of the habit that built that debt, right? You inherit money, you pay off the debt, and then you run out of inherited money and you build the debt back up. You learned nothing, right? You really gained nothing from this. Um, you know what I think most people do and where it catches them? What's that? I think a lot of people confuse assets and liabilities. That could be. Right. And if it's not confused, then they disregard. Right. 
And liabilities are things that don't store value. Okay. And so people that buy a bunch of stuff that doesn't store value. Boy, that is not what I would have said. I would not have defined a liability that way. I, I have always defined asset as something that produces income. Produces income so, or appreciates in value. Well, and so, for example, my house, I don't think of as an asset. Not in the traditional sense. But it a, does appreciate in value generally. That's true. I, I leave room for a special case category that drives people crazy. This is the rogue planner in me that, that calls something a use asset. Houses and vehicles fall in this category for me, right? In both cases, you need a place to live and in most environments, you need reliable transportation. In high-density urban environments, the public transit system may be enough. But in low-density rural environments, like where we're broadcasting from, it is really difficult to get along without reliable transportation. Okay, I'll go along with use asset. Yeah. So but now, you, now help me with liability. So, But a liability is something that you spend on it and you don't get more back than you spent. Now, somebody out there is going to try to tell me, well, it's the experience and this, that, and the other. No, that's a, liabilities are part of the equation. You can't only buy assets, right? Um, food isn't an appreciating asset, but without it, you die, right? You have to do that. <laughs> so it's, it's not like a liability in the sense that it's bad for you. It's a liability in the sense that it is an outbound cash flow that's not going to return an investment per se. However, if you eat poorly, your health is going to suffer. So there's an element of use to it. It's functional. You have to consume it in order to get to the profitable side of the balance sheet, right? So it is a use function. Uh, going out and getting a fancy bottle of wine, that's just an experience. You're making the, a willful trade. And I'm not disparaging. I mean, come on, the wine industry is huge around here. I'm not disparaging that at all. I'm just saying... Be aware that the experience is not buying an asset per se. Unless you're a wine broker and you're trading this stuff, it's something to consume and it won't it won't increase your balance sheet. It'll increase your memories and there's quality of life decisions. And that is and that is part of the true wealth equation. It but, totally is. But re remind me now, we were we're talking about we want to pay off debts. Yep. And what else do we want to do? Well, so plan first, pay off debts. And then I think the next thing that you want to start looking for is, well, I would always say in payoff debts is, is, is the, the budget picture, right? That's within that is right. make sure that you're, you're, you've balanced the equation, you're spending less than you're making. But then it is about intentionally developing the things that will build up your balance sheet. So that's buying assets. And I give you this, I don't have to give you permission. This isn't the Susie Orman show or something, but I will tell you that you might go nuts if metaphorically right you'll it'll drive you up the wall though if you inherit a bunch of money and then somebody comes along and says well you can only invest that and you don't get any fun with it no no we're we're building the go-kart track yes there's I'm, no doubt i am actually okay with you saying i'm going to earmark a certain amount of this for experiences fun it's they're not assets you know it's we're going to spend it go -karts. because that's the point go-karts yeah it's on I, the list can we make that subliminal so we just pump that over the show all day I, it already is all right good yes. go-karts yeah. anyway Yes. So there's going to be an experiential uh, part of this. There's going to be some splurging. Yeah. But what sort of what sort of guidelines do I need on that? So it's kind of relative to the amount, right? I mean, if you inherit just enough to pay off the debts, consider consider yourself lucky. And then what can you do to get out of debt? And what behaviors will you change? Right. And if you inherit 
more than that, now you can start to be a little more tactical about it, right? So I would say it's all kind of within the budget parameters. I mean, if you inherit $100,000 and you have 10,000 of debt, you pay it off and you got 90 left, well, do you have the other financial planning boxes checked? That is, you need some adequate reserves, right? That's to make sure that if your income's interrupted, you don't go broke or go back in debt. So you build up an emergency fund. And then after that, I would say, if you've got your mortgage under control, no other debts, and you've got your emergency fund funded, uh, I would bless the idea that have a little fun with it. It is a windfall. Yeah. Right? A portion of it should go into win to, to playing. And then I would start looking at how to uh, invest some of it for your own future. Right? And here's the, here's the interesting one. What if you already have a bunch and you inherit more? Well, if you've already got a bunch and you inherit more, then you probably, you've already got your financial basics in place. You've probably already got your reserve fund. Um, you just have, you're probably, you probably paid down your debt already pretty well. Right. So now you're pretty much just to splurge and invest. Right. It's just to accelerate your plan, right? At the top of Maslow's hierarchy is what they call self-actualization, right? And that's when I've covered my basics of food and shelter and so forth. And, and you know, the more you move up the pyramid of security, the more you get into, hey, I can start to devote to things like learning and uh, ultimately into things like uh, benevolence, right? Didn't, didn't Maslow play second base for the Royals in the mid-80s? You know, it sounds right. Because that's I think that's where it came from, it, with Brett Saberhagen and George Brett. I remember that. Anyway, yes, <laughs> uh, what you want to do is some self-actualization. <laughs> He's found a category where he can totally stump me. I'm just going to nod and smile <laughs> and be like, I, I, I do not know the players of which team and which league. I, I, you know, I barely know which position. If you ask me to keep score, I'm like, there's which, which numbers, which one? So, yeah, I'm the worst. <laughs> but, Maslow's yeah, hierarchy. Maslow's hierarchy. Just that if you if you're already well under your way, on your way with the plan, then it's just going to free you up to do other things with that plan, right? It's it it accelerates the pathway. And I would challenge you that if you don't know what to do with it, that's an important part. So, uh let's talk about that last bit. There's a little bit about how do you develop a plan and how do you make it challenging but healthy? But it turns out they're going to make us take one last break. One more break. I know, one more break. So if you're trying to figure out what do you want to be when you grow up, stick around. We're going to have a few more sage bits of advice, mostly from Derek, and I'll throw a few things into. But we got to take this last break. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Sage Derek Simmons. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm joking about the uh, the end of the show. I said I'm going to give you the signal when the, the clock is almost expired, right? Um, welcome back to the True Well Show. And a reminder, if you're just joining us, you've missed tons of quality. Best show ever. Yeah, you can catch it on podcast tomorrow. If you go to littlejohnfs.com and you go under the Educate tab. And then click on Katie's face. Oh, well, that would be the fun, educate though. tab. You are going to it, it is not bitmapped like that. You're okay. going to mess people up and then they're going to be clicking on her face going, it's not working, it's not working. 
And uh, so, and we won't get to see it. So I guess it's not as funny as it seems. In my <laughs> I know it's it sounds funny on radio, but if you don't get to see it, so all right, Derek, people uh, are potentially inheriting at some point. We are at this threshold. Lots of baby boomers uh, and plenty that are plenty young too. But there is generational turnover. You know, assets move. What? What kind of advice do we have to offer for folks that maybe not necessarily on paper, but if you're inheriting money, what are the, some of the gotchas or things people well, I think make? maybe the first thing you should do is immediately fire the financial advisor that made your parents all that money and move it to Little John Financial Services. That was way more aggressive setup than I was teasing about. <laughs> That's the best. Uh, the funny enough, we talked before the show. So no, you, you don't. I mean, it's totally self-serving. Yes, we're trying to you know grow our practice and that's great but think about this for a moment if somebody was really successful at accumulating wealth somewhere maybe they were doing something right so i wouldn't just immediately fire somebody on principle now if you already knew them and just are not comfortable for other reasons you already know why you would be doing that but if you don't have a relationship maybe worth investigating and yeah and see what it was they were thinking and how they can counseled your parents or ancestor or rich uncle you didn't know about and see what you can learn from them right and i think that there's i think that's actually a really important piece of advice and one that it's not necessarily intuitive it's certainly not self-serving but in the fiduciary land i would tell folks first you know try to get good quality advice and the second is it's okay to to interview multiple professionals Right. If it's not something you're comfortable and equipped to deal with, bring in somebody else. Just like today, I brought in a ringer. Right. So hit, hit the go. bell again. That was fun. Yeah. Thank you. That's me. Yep. Otherwise, you know, go find somebody that can be uh, of value and use for you and get help. Right. And so the, and then the, the, the plan and the strategy. Now, I'm going to make kind of a, an interesting offer here. The, the plan and the strategy is where a lot of folks will uh, miss out, right? Like if you don't do something on purpose, it's amazing how it doesn't happen. This to me is the, the tricky part about having dreams and so forth. You know, we were talking during the break about hey, how do you encourage somebody to develop a plan? And if you don't think about what you would, you know, if there are parts of your life that you're not happy with, or there are parts that you'd like to see improve, you don't have to be unhappy to want improvement, by the way. You just you imagine what you want it to look like and then try to figure out the steps between here and there. Pretty much that simple. But it starts with imagining it. I would also encourage you write it down. If you're if you're serious about committing to something, writing a goal down does some subliminal things and it puts your mind to work on achieving it. So even if you're not consciously thinking about it, remember that we only use probably actively seven to ten percent of our brain power. Uh, the active decision-making parts of our brain are pretty small, like what you're aware of. Uh, I, I remember doing some research on this. Your, your brain is capable of, this will throw you off, but it's real. Roughly like four, it's either four or 40, but let's go with the low number, four quadrillion calculations per second. That's a big number. It's a super huge number. And if you consider every nerve in your body right now, every you know, sensory, like perceptor that you have, hearing, smell, sight, you have filtered most of that out, but your brain knows all of it. It's just targeting the stuff that you need to be conscious of. Everything else is getting tuned out right now. Doesn't mean your brain's not doing it. 
It means it allows you to focus so you don't go crazy having all those inputs simultaneously. But it's got super horsepower. And per watt, your brain is more powerful than the strongest supercomputer on earth per watt of energy that it's using. I know I've heard that analogy on a fly ball, catching a fly ball. If you tried to program all the stuff you'd need to have a computer catch a fly ball, it takes forever. Yep. But we can do it naturally because you have all that input that, that you know how to deal with. Correct. And so we're, and it's very quickly learned. So that is an example of just how powerful your brain is and how it goes to work behind the scenes for you. When you write things down, they become more real. Okay. So here's my challenge to you guys. I have created a link. If you are interested, we have a process to help you write down and set some goals and also to develop a financial inventory. Now, you do not have to do this. You can take out a piece of paper and do it on your own. But if you want a digital interface, I want you to go to this website. It's bit.ly, so B-I-T dot L-Y, and then a forward slash, and then put in L-J, like little John, so L-J asset map, all one word. So if you'll do that, bit.ly forward slash L-J asset map, that'll take you to a discovery link where you can actually build some information in and it will create sort of a financial picture for you. I have seen that. That is pretty sharp. It's pretty cool stuff. And it also is the foot in the door to developing a professional financial plan. So I make this offer to you all. That is a freebie out there to take advantage of. Um, so there you go. So bit.ly forward slash LJ asset map. And that'll get you there. But, oh, and just like that, there's the music. So we are out of time for today, so we'll do the obligatory. Derek, how do they reach you for quality legal advice? At Simmons Law, 541-677-7185. All right, and if you need additional financial advice, you can always call our office. It's Little John Financial at 541-375-0898. Well, we're out of time, so until next time, this has been David Littlejohn. And Derek Simmons. And you've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.